This week we continue our sermon series, Living the Gospel, as we work our way through the Gospel of John. Last week we were in John 4, and we took a look at the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. We saw how the, water, the living water that God offers, the faith that he gives us, is offered to all regardless of the qualifications that man sets. This week we'll be in John 5, and we'll be looking at an invalid that is anxiously resting along the sides of a pool. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to read along. If you'd like, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you, but if you'd rather, the words will also be on the screens. So we'll be reading from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. We read the word of the Lord this morning. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem from one of the Jewish festivals, or for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temples and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. Anybody else here have back problems? My back hasn't been great for like a, a pretty long time. I, I tweaked something in it in my early 20s, and ever since then I've had some reoccurring issues. But I've never had pain in my back like the time I did when I threw it out. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all been there. I was the youth and young adult director for a church up in Calgary, Alberta at the time. I had just done a bunch of traveling, flying, and, and a lot of driving, and so I hadn't, I hadn't been on my feet and stretching my back like I needed to. I was finally home, and, and the mother of one of my youth asked me if I could check in on her son and make sure that he got to school. She was a single mom, and, and she had to be at work before her son had to be at school, and so she couldn't be there to make sure that he got up. He was a teenager. And he, uh, <laughs> he didn't believe that mornings were real or that they exist. And so getting up wasn't something that he was very fond of. This wasn't something that he really did. School didn't rate very high on his list either. And so 
dude, I, I love this kid. He's, he's fantastic. Anyway, I tell his mom that, that I'll swing by the house and, and make sure that he gets to school. I drive over, and, and I'm not supposed to be there long, right? Like, this isn't the plan. I'm just going to get in, I'm going to wake him up, and then I'm going to leave. So I leave my car running in the driveway because it's winter and it's cold outside, and there's no reason to let that thing get cold. And then, because I'm brilliant, I leave my phone in the car as well. Not because it's winter and it's cold, but because I can be pretty absent-minded. It's just something I'm pretty good at. So I get in the house and I close the door, and then I, I think I hear a sound outside. It sounds like another car has, has pulled into the driveway. So I, I, I figure, you know, maybe someone else is coming to check on my young charge. I bend over to look under the blinds of the window next to the door, and that's when it happens. I can feel almost audibly feel. You know how like when weird things happen in your back and like it's almost an audible like feeling. It's like, oh no, <laughs> here we go. I can almost audibly feel the muscles around my back begin to just cramp up. Now this has never happened to me before. I've never felt like this before. I, I don't know what to do. So I decide that my best course of action is to try to get to the only other human in the house before I can't move anymore. I made it halfway up the stairs before the pain immobilized me. And so there I am, lying on my back on a staircase. The pain is so sharp that I can barely speak. I can't call anyone for help because my phone is in my car outside. And the only person who can help me is a teenager sound asleep in a room at the top of the stairs that I'm stuck on. I've never felt more like an invalid in my life. The man in our text this morning was intimately aware of what I had just begun to experience on that staircase. But for him, it wasn't a one-time thing. It, it wasn't a new occurrence. This man had been incapacitated. He had been an invalid for 38 years. For a large chunk of his life, this man had been in a state of, of helplessness, of reliance. There wasn't any real hope for healing. He had come to accept that, and so he gathered with the rest of the sick and the lame and the otherwise disabled, with the people that were physically limited and didn't have any hope of recovery. He gathered with them around the pool called Bethesda. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on with this pool. Did the people believe that it could heal them? Did they gather here to soak in the comfort of the water? We don't know the lore surrounding this pool, but scholars believe that the invalid gives us a clue when he mentions wanting to get into the water when it gets stirred up, when it gets stirred. Some think that there might have been some underground spring that shot water into the pool at random intervals. intervals. Some wonder if the pool was intentionally agitated by men with sticks or paddles. Whatever the cause of this stirring, it is believed to bring comfort to the achy and pain joints of the sick and lame that gathered around the pool's colonnade. The man had stopped hoping for healing. He was just looking for what brief and elusive comforts life could bring. But there's only so much room in the pool. And so if you were physically limited enough, you would need help getting into the soothing waters quickly. or else it would be too long for them to do any good. And before the pool, the pool filled up with others basking in its comfort, 
And if you weren't fast enough, if you didn't have the help you needed, you could only sit on the edges of the waters and watch others enjoy what you so desperately desired. We may have the use of our legs. We we may not need to rely on someone else to get around, but in our own ways, each of us can relate to the invalid in our text this morning, can't we? Some of us may be limited physically in our abilities to do all that we want to do or all that we once could. We're not as young as we used to be, but every one of us is limited by the sinful nature that lives inside of every human soul. Every one of us is sick, lame, and disabled by sin. And like the invalid beside the pool, like I was laying on my back on a set of stairs, there's nothing that we can do about it. We don't have the ability to to make our wrongs right. We don't have the ability to stop being imperfect. We still lie to the people that we love. We still steal because we want what we don't have. We still hurt others out of spite and jealousy, out of selfishness and pride. We don't love as purely as we want to. Our actions prove that we aren't worthy of the things that we desire. We use words as weapons. And even when we mean well, we burn others to the ground. And there isn't anything we can do about it. We can't make ourselves better. We could read all the self-help books in the world and actually do what they say, and maybe we'd feel better about ourselves for a while, but eventually that sinful nature wins out and reminds us of why we felt we needed to read those books in the first place. We're all broken, we're all needy, we're all invalids in our sin. And so we do the one thing we can. We gather in the colonnade at Bethesda and hope to find some measure of comfort in life. Maybe it's a family vacation. Maybe it's going out to that restaurant that you love. Maybe it's self-medicating. For each of us, it may be different. But each of us tries to find ways to cope with the sin in our lives and the brokenness in our world around us. But like floating in the stirred-up waters of the Bethesda Bethesda pool, that respite is only temporary. It doesn't cure the problem. It soothes the aching joints, but the soothing will come to an end. For we haven't been healed. And then into the colonnade at Bethesda walks Jesus. And he approaches this invalid, this man who cannot help himself And is just hoping to be able to soothe some of his pain. And Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to get well? As we hear the words fall off the lips of Jesus, the answer to the question seems obvious, right? We just got done outlining how how difficult his life was, how painful his life was. How could he not want to get well? How could he not want to live a deeper and more meaningful life? How could he not want to have the use of his legs again? How could he not want all of this? Well, society didn't demand much of an invalid. Yeah, there was the pain and the aches and the pity or disgust in the eyes of those that looked upon you. But you could get used to that. And there wasn't a lot of expectation put on you either. You didn't have to work. You would just sit and beg and And the people around you were obligated by guilt and the law to provide for you. To be healed would change all of that. To get well would mean that that he would be expected to try. 
he'd be expected to get a job. With healing would come an expectation that he contributed to society in some way. So, did he want to get well? And as the invalid sits in this question, let us sit in this question with him. Do you want to get well? The sin in our lives is a blight and a curse. It destroys relationships as we harm ourselves and those around us by embracing our brokenness. But there are certain comforts as well. Sin, though repulsive, it feels good sometimes. It scratches an itch that we have, even if we don't necessarily like that we have it. Sin, sin can feel good. So do we want to get well? Some of us may not be totally sure where our walk with the Lord is, and like the invalid in our text this morning, getting well might not look all like it's cracked up to be. Accepting the healing that Christ gives would bring some expectations that we, we may not want or be that excited about. Getting well might mean a change in lifestyle in some uncomfortable areas. It might mean admitting some things that we are not excited about admitting. It, it might mean that the course and purpose of our lives are adjusted in ways that we never expected and aren't actually sure we're ready for or excited about right now. Some of us have been walking with the Lord for a long time, and for us, maybe this question hits even harder. Do you want to get well? Or have you gotten comfortable abusing God's grace and his forgiveness? I needed to sit in that one for a while this week as the text just, you know, punched me in the face. Because it can be easy to abuse the healing that Christ brings. It can be so tempting to treat the healing of God like the stirred up waters at the Bethesda pool and just dip in when we're feeling particularly achy. Or in need. Do you want to get well? I find it fascinating in our text this morning that the invalid doesn't answer the question. He doesn't really even recognize what Jesus is offering. In response to the question, he just says, Yeah, man, you know, if you can just help me get into the water when it gets stirred up, that would be fantastic. I'm competing with all of these other people, and, and I really just want to soothe my body for a little while. So if you could just help me get the wellness that I want, that would be great. Thank you. He doesn't say that he wants to get well. He tells Jesus exactly how he'd like Jesus to help him. And in response, what does Jesus do? He tells the man, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Jesus heals him. Jesus takes care of the man's problem. He is no longer an invalid. Whether he likes it or not, whether he wanted it or not, Jesus heals him. What an incredible picture. Pick up your mat and, and walk. Don't leave your mat here. You don't need it anymore. This isn't the place you need to live anymore. You have been healed. And so it is for us as well. Jesus lived thousands of years ago. None of us walked the dusty roads of the Middle East with him. None of us looked into his eyes or audibly heard his voice. And so we weren't even asked the question before Jesus brought the healing. Jesus didn't ask us if it would be okay for him to take a cross up a hill all those years ago. 
He didn't ask us if it would be okay, if He took our sins, if it would be alright with us, if He became our sins for us. He didn't ask us if it would be okay with us if He paid the price for those sins, the price that we could not. He didn't ask us if it was alright with us that He die for us. He just did it. He just did it all. He brought the healing that we had no ability to bring. He paid the price that we had no ability to pay. Whether we wanted it or not, whether we expected it or not, none of that matters. Because Christ on the cross atoned for our sins. He took care of the debt that we each had, and He did it all before we could even answer the question, Do you want to get well? This is God's love for us on display. That while we were still sinners, before we could even decide if we wanted Him to do it, He died for us. This, this is our God. Our invalid wasn't sure what to do with this new life He's been given. So He follows the directions of Jesus. The religious leaders of the day catch Him walking with His mat and they could care less about the miracle of His healing. And more about how he's breaking the laws of the Sabbath by carrying a mat on this day of all days. Jesus, of course, knew that this would happen. And the directions that he gave the man were intended to once more point to how the purpose of his mission, the miracles and the healings, were more important than the traditions and the regulations that man had put in place. The man who was once an invalid freaks out and and says that someone else just just told him to do it, right? But Jesus has disappeared into the crowd before he can be pointed out. Later, however, Jesus returns to the man he healed and gives him these parting words of wisdom. We read them in verse 14. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now we read that and it brings up thoughts of threats made by powerful people. Like this, the basics of that sentence are used in like every mafia movie ever made. Is is that how Jesus meant it? Was it a threat? Though it may look like one at first blush, I think it's important to ask, how often do we see Jesus threatening people? We don't. What we see is Jesus loving people, protecting people, healing people, like the man in our story today. He's instructing people and also warning people, which is what he is doing here. He doesn't want the man to fall into sin because he, he of all people, knows what sin leads to. In this gospel, Jesus views sickness as an opportunity for healing and salvation, not as a punishment for sin. Let's rest in that for a minute. Let those words just kind of soak in. Jesus views sickness as an opportunity for healing and salvation, not as a punishment for sin. When Jesus says, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you, he's saying, stop sinning. Because sinning leads to death, and I truly do not want you to die that death. I want you with me in heaven forever. The man has been healed, but that does not mean he is safe from death. Christ has paid the price for our sin, 
But that does not mean that we are living in the faith that Christ gives us, the faith that ultimately saves us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. These famous words of Jesus were read for us this morning by Katie. We find them in John 14, verse 6. And they point us to the truth that it is only through faith in Jesus that we escape spiritual death. So let us rest in the work of Christ. Let us rest in the faith that he has given us. Let us respond to the Holy Spirit's movement in our lives and call out to Christ for help. As I laid on my back on that staircase in Calgary, Alberta, I've never been more thankful for dogs. As the pain in my back lessened slightly, I was able to breathe a little more deeply, which allowed me to call out for the youth I was there to check on. Donnie! That's basically how that sounded, right? Donnie! That's about all I could get out. I didn't have the air or the pain tolerance for much more than that, and I knew that it was pretty hopeless that my hoarse whisper from the stairway would wake the slumbering teenager. And yet... Soon I heard a scratching at a door. The family had recently acquired a dog, and that dog heard my whispers and wanted to find their source. It wasn't long before he had awakened Donnie, and after Donnie had got done laughing at my embarrassing situation, he retrieved my phone from my car for me, and I was able to place a few calls for help. Your cry to God may be no more than a hoarse whisper over the years of pain and the moments of discouragement, abandonment, abuse, and shame. But fear not. God is listening. He is not a teenager who has overslept after a late night of playing video games. He is right there with you. He has been there alongside you as you have suffered and struggled. Cry out for help. Cry out to him for faith and forgiveness. He longs to be your comfort and your salvation. He has healed us before we ever even asked for it. How much more will God sustain us and provide for us when we do come to him with the cry, Make me well. The journey of healing is not an easy one. I called Karen to tell her of my predicament. And then I called Anthony, the lead pastor of the church I was serving. Karen and the boys arrived and soon followed by Anthony. And after some repositioning in the landing near the bottom of the stairs, together Anthony and Donnie helped me get to my feet. I don't ever remember feeling such pain. As my back stretched out, it screamed at me. I needed both Anthony and Donnie to hold my shoulders and help me walk around the room. Do you have any idea how embarrassing that was? I'm in my early 30s. Shouldn't be having these problems. I should be a strong young man entering the prime of my life. And here, in front of my sons, in front of my wife, my helplessness and shame is on full display as I can't even walk properly without help. They got me into the car and I struggled through the drive home. And I struggled onto the couch. In the following days, it was my brother who had come home from work and support me with an arm or a hand under each armpit and just walk behind me, helping to stretch the back and gain 
some of my strength. Is what I imagined learning to walk again feels like. It was humiliating. It was frustrating. It was painful. And it was embarrassing. But it worked. And in time, I regained the strength in my back. And though I still stress it at times, though it still hurts me at times, I'm able to make my way through life without my brother having to hold me up by my armpits. The journey of healing is not an easy one. The walk of faith is not easy either. We've cried out for help and God has let us know that he has not abandoned us, that he is there with us. And he pulls us to our feet and helps us walk, but it's painful. It's painful to admit and acknowledge the sin in our lives. It's embarrassing, it's, it's scary, it's frustrating. Sometimes we have to rely on others who have made the journey before us. Sometimes we have to rely on the people of faith that God has put in our lives because we just can't make it on our own. And that's okay. That's part of the reason why God's put them there. Each of us is on the journey of faith. Each of us is struggling. Each of us is asked the question, do you want to get well? And none of us is spared the difficulties of the healing process. It's one of the reasons why here at Calvary we focus on the feet. We value vulnerability, humility, and service. None of us is perfect. Each of us has areas that we struggle in. Each of us has areas that we need support in. And we want to be here for each other as we journey through this life together. We are all invalids by the pool. And to each of us, God is asked, do you want to get well? As we respond to that question, let us rest in the one who healed us before we asked him to. Let us rest in the one, the only one, who gives eternal life. Let us rest in the one who came for us and who died for us. Let us rest in the only one who can bring true healing. And let us rest in the one who is with us while we journey through this life of faith. Let us live in the gospel by resting in Jesus Christ. What a fantastic, wonderful, amazing, gracious, and beautiful God we serve. Amen.